Spring is in full bloom. Are your finances? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, you can build credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments, all with no annual fees or interest. With Chime's Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com slash build. That's Chime.com slash build. Chime feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to the financial podcast, Future Rich. My name is Barbara Ginty and I am your host and I'm also a CFP, which stands for a Certified Financial Planner. And I will just apologize up front that I have a terrible cold, so my voice sounds a little funny on this podcast. I am here with my guest, Francis. And Francis, how did you come up with your fake name? Um, that is a fun question. So, um, I have been divorced now for a, a year and a half, and shortly after um, my husband and I separated, um, Under the Tuscan Sun was on TV, and I watched that movie and watched this woman who was going through this transformation at the time, and it just really inspired me. So I thought, why not take the name of an inspiration of mine? Yeah, no, I love it. That's great. Um, so tell me a little bit more about yourself. How old are you? Where are you based? Um, what yeah. do you do for work? So I am 35. I live in Washington, D.C., um, and I work in the field of education. So uh, an educational leader. Very nice. And I'm so sorry to hear about your divorce. That is such a hard thing to go through. Yes. Um, it's It's been very difficult. Yeah, it, um, I went through something similar. So I actually, that was one of the movies that I would watch. I had like this whole slew of movies I would watch to make myself feel better. I think that um, what st- stood out to me in the movie was she sets forth, forth this dream that she wants in the future. And in that she discovers it's not always going to look like what you think it's going to look like. And that really stuck out to me as a goal. Like it's not going to always come together in the way that you think it will, but it it comes together in the way that it's supposed to. Uh, yeah, 100%. And I think when I watched that movie, and for those of you who have not watched it, it's a great movie to watch. Um, I, I don't know that she would have executed on her dream of living in Italy if she had not gotten divorced. Yeah. And just the fact that like leaving behind the idea of materialism or what that means to her and leaving all of those belongings behind and the perfect house and all of that. And then just, yeah. Like what her life was supposed to look like. She found the family that she, not in a traditional way that she had envisioned. Yes, absolutely. Very good. Um, So tell me, so how was going through the divorce? Because that can get kind of messy. Um, yeah, mine was extremely messy in emotional ways. Um, okay. Financially, uh, very interesting. Um, we decided uh, early on in our relationship to to tackle the idea of debt, and we wanted to get married without debt, and um, a lot of these different goals. And so, very early on in our marriage, I had actually become debt free. Um, and, uh, uh, with the exception of student loans and we had that life and later on, um, into the marriage, um, my then husband started having these major health problems. Um, the, the worst was having a seizure totaled, uh, while driving. I was the passenger totaled our car. Oh my Um, gosh. 
Yeah. And that's so scary. Yeah. This very mysterious illness that started taking up a lot of money. And I started, um, things started going on credit cards and, and things like that. Um, and it actually, uh, turned out that he had alcoholism, um, that he had not shared. So he was a closet alcoholic. Yes. And so how long long were you married for? uh, Five years. Um, You got married at 30? Yes. So this all took place around the age of 33. Um, And so then there was pain for rehab and there was pain for like just all of these things. How was he keeping it from you? Was he drinking? Or, or was it that you just didn't know that he had been drinking or? Yeah. So more into my crazy story. Um, so he initially, I guess, was hiding it in certain places. And then his master way of hiding it was, I don't drink Gatorade. And he would take the sports drink and dump half of it out and fill it with vodka. And the thing what? about vodka for alcoholism is it does not have the strong smell. It doesn't have all of these things. And so um, the seizures were actually um, a result of him trying to detox on his own. It had gotten oh, that was, severe. It was that bad that his yeah. body was on a, in shock, essentially, from not having alcohol. Yes. Um, and so even in the hospital, I mean, when all of this came out, um, the doctors kept telling me, don't take him back to the emergency room because we're running all these tests. We want to know what's wrong. And he was um, having this episode at home of just doing strange behaviors. And I called my family and they were like, just take him in. Like you, something's going to happen if you don't. And I remember I went with friends to the emergency room and they told me, um, the doctors came back and said his blood alcohol content was, it was nearly comatose, actually, how high it was. And they said, he's been drinking. And I was like, there's no alcohol in my home. Like, how would this even, like, it was so confusing. And so they actually, um, he spent four days um, not awake, um, where they thought he had a syndrome called auto brewery syndrome, which is when a person creates alcohol in their body. And, um, so they said, you know, we're going to feed him all these carbs. And if he has a syndrome, it's going to manifest itself. And so we sat in the hospital and it, I remember at this point he wakes up and he knows what's kind of going on. And he goes, what if it doesn't work? And I said, it's going to work. It's going to work. And he was saying, I'm scared to be in that state again. And I said, but we're in the hospital. And they fed him the carbs and nothing happened. And that was when they sat me and his mother down and said, he's an alcoholic and it's bad. Um, And literally, I had no idea. Um, You must have felt so deceived. uh, 100%. I'm like... It happened um, very quickly. We, um, his mom flew in and we, you know, are dealing with this at the hospital and this revelation. And I like sat next to him in the bed and I said, it's time to make this stop. Like you have to tell the truth. And he looked at me and he said, I think it's time I go home. And this is after three months three months of being in and out of every specialist, running every test. And when I say running up massive amounts of medical debt, it was massive at this point. Um, And so we got to the house and his mom said, I think he needs uh, to come to where she lived and go to rehab there. And I said, take him. Um, (laughs) And I was like, I he needs to go. And so he went to rehab and he did, um, 27 days there and came back and we worked, uh, or let's just put it this way. I worked for six months to try to make that happen. And I learned so much through programs about alcoholism and, and what it's like, um, just to support someone through that and that there's going to be relapses. And it was really, um, after six months that he told me that he couldn't, he couldn't try anymore, that he wanted to just drink. And so he ended up, uh, in one day, um, I came home from work and he was drunk and it was the first time that I had seen him like actively drinking in this state. Um, 
And I, he said, I, I need to go. And I said, I, are we going to rehab again or what are we doing? And he just said, I need to go. And so um, I, he said, let's wait till the weekend. This was on a Wednesday. And I said, well, uh, let's not wait till the weekend. And I bought him a plane ticket and sent him to his family. And that was the last time I've seen him. That was the last time you saw him? Yes. I mean, you need to write a book. Uh, I've been told that it's it's a unbelievably crazy story. I mean, we used to. It sounds horrible to say the word laugh, but I can't think of a better one. At at couples that would be like, "Oh my god, my partner's cheating on me," and I'm like, "How did you not know? Like, how how did you not know?" I'm like, "Look how close we are. We did everything together. Like there was." There wasn't a friend that wasn't both of our friends. There wasn't anything. Um, and so the the deceit in that was pretty unbelievable. Yeah, the deceit that he take, and then the fact that he didn't admit it to you, and then the fact that, I mean, at least for me, I would have felt like you don't want to try harder since I've supported you through this whole thing and all the deceit. Right. Um, I mean, coming from a non-alcoholic person, you know, like I don't have that disease, but I would have wanted to hear, I think, as the partner that, okay, I'm going to try. Right. And some, I think what was amazing, and I've done a lot of reading, it's it's actually unbelievable um, that the complexity of alcoholism really isn't around the drinking. Um, you know, people find out about alcoholism and they're like, you left someone with a disease. Absolutely not. Um, it's the lying and the deceit to keep the addiction going that impacts the relationship. Um, and how can you ever trust him? Right. And it's the, he had built up so many routines because to be honest, um, he'd been doing this for so long and it had been, um, years before he met me that he had started doing this. And, um, yeah, so it's just incredible. He actually um, left behind uh, interesting two journals. There was one journal that I'm sure was a journal that was left for the, the eyes of the public. And I always say he had these two personalities. The second, I don't know well, I don't want to know, um, but it impacted my marriage. But the first one was all about my loving my loving wife and this raven-haired beauty who saved my life. And then tucked away as uh, my sister and my brother-in-law came to help me pack up his belongings and send them to him uh, was this other journal. And it was uh, full of such like hate. And it was, you know, I, I don't understand why me, his wife, why she can't uh, just be the one that works and pays for everything. I don't understand why she needs me because I was supporting him while he was going to college. He's like, I don't understand this pressure for me to work. And like just a lot of like anger towards me for not just supporting him in what he wanted to do. That, I mean, this whole thing is unbelievable. It really is. And it's, it's hard because um, my family loved him. Um, he was so close to all of them. I think it, that was one of the hardest things for me was like to reveal that this person that I had brought into our lives, lives was yeah. such a liar. Um, to the point, like even after he moved away, um, they it. Before he left on the plane, I I took all of our mutual cards. Um, Again, I was the one that was working. He had been going to school, but was no longer going to school. And so I was like, well, you're not going away with uh, my money. Um, But he had actually written down the numbers on the cards before I had done that. And so it was about uh, four weeks after he left that I looked at my bank account to see all of these charges online. Um, and it's just this un- like unbelievable thing. Cause again, I know it's hard to believe, but the person that's truly like your best friend, you tell every single iota of your truth to would do something like that. So it's been a, like a very um, difficult thing that I just haven't really been able to 
fully processed yet, but is something that um, does it feel a little me. bit like you're telling a story of like something that happened, but it's not. It didn't happen to you. Like you step outside your body a little bit when you tell the story. I and I have to because if I go into it, it would be too much. And I think like going to Al Anon meetings and sharing this story, everybody always looks at me and like has an open mouth. <laughs> um, it was how my friends responded to it. Um, it was again like my family. I think um, the shock of knowing that person and then knowing this reality. Um, it's it's so painful that yeah um one of my you know things is as an educational leader is i give speeches and i've traveled and i speak in front of people so i've learned to take stories and and articulate them and i think i've done that with this story um but the people that know me best know a little bit more it's it's a lot more raw than i'm you know sharing now yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, it has to be. You have fe- you know feelings for the deceit and the lies that you had to endure, and as you were saying, like an emotional but also financial impact. I mean, it has to be raw. Yeah, um, yeah, and just I don't know if we'll add this into the podcast or not, but um, I had my fiance. We didn't do a ring. We were buying a house in, in lieu of. I had him just walk out of nowhere. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he just, um, like just left, left all the stuff, <laughs> toothbrush, everything. Um, and there was like so much to unravel with just from, from that standpoint, you know, with like, I had to pack all of his stuff up and like, we had to get, uh, we had to meet at city hall to get our domestic partnership undone. Um, but yeah, trying to get everything separated was, such a nightmare while going through like the, cause it's traumatic, the trauma of like the breakup and having it happen and, you know, so abruptly with no information on my side side. Right. So, so you understand everything I'm talking about. I think probably in the way of like, you're left on the other side being like, what the hell just what, happened? What just happened? My life just got yes. upended and I uh, didn't see that coming. Yeah. I, I, I didn't have, I wasn't dealing with, with an alcoholic. I was dealing with somebody who, I think, in my opinion, has some major problems that they were unable to communicate that, you know, this was going to be ending without actually verbalizing that ever. Yeah. You know, I really recommend there's a book called Runaway Husbands, and it is actually more than the alcoholism, because in in my story, honestly, like I I play very little um, catering to the alcohol piece of it because there was so much, many other things, um, that, that came from it, but it talks about like the, the author comes home from a conference. She's traveled. She's like a successful businesswoman and she comes home and her husband goes, I don't think I can do this anymore. And she's like, what the dishes? And yeah. he's <laughs> like, no, this like our marriage. No, marriage. And she's like, wait, what? Like, and it talks about like, there, I mean, it goes into um, the background of these type of men, the relationships that they have with their mothers, they all follow a very similar profile. And then all of a sudden, like, poof, they're gone, and they have no attachment to it. And so yeah, that's my first thing. You're like, he couldn't have left all of his stuff at the apartment, like he must have taken like most of his stuff. And I'm like, No, you could come over because they're like, Oh, you must be exaggerating a little bit. And they, my one girlfriend was like, his toothbrush is in the toothbrush holder, his razor. And I'm like, oh, yeah, he, like, literally didn't take a thing. Like, Oh, no, he left. He, like, literally left. Um, now, this is what's crazy about mine is um, I actually, the day he left, I had a dentist appointment scheduled that afternoon. And uh, most people would say, your husband's leaving and you don't know why or where or anything – you would cancel the appointment, but I figured it had already been the worst day. A dentist appointment seemed to like fall and ride. So right I, yeah, like he was getting ready. Yeah. As he's getting ready for to go to the airport, I was like, okay, I'm going to the dentist and like go to the dentist. And I came back and I look and I'm like, okay, there's a chunk of clothes gone, like a functional amount of clothes. Uh, the Xbox playstation um and that's it and left everything else for me to deal, to deal with. with and so 
um, it wasn't until, and like, again, I didn't know that that was the end of my marriage because he had left for rehab once before, um, in the, within the last six months of that event. And it wasn't until I was cleaning weeks later, I found his wedding ring <gasps> and I was like, it, it suddenly hit me, um, that, that, that was, the signal for him. And, but he never communicated that. And honestly, it wasn't until he left February 8th of 2017. In April, I called him and I was like, so we're getting a divorce. And he was like, okay. And I go, oh, okay. Like, I guess I'll pay for the attorney and do all of this. And he was like, okay. Um, and never saw, I've never seen him since. Yeah, so that's like the most incredible part to listening to it. I feel like these two should be friends. Yes, they should definitely. Uh, I mean, they they could uh, gather belongings together since they've left all of their stuff behind. Yeah, I was like, you know, and I I, I didn't do it, but I kind of almost had wish I cut all of his sleeves off his shirts. Right, like weird things that would have... yeah, just something just be like, thanks for having me pack up all of your stuff. Like I had to be there for the boxes to be delivered. I had to pack it all up. I had to be there for them to pick it up. I had to do everything. Like you didn't do anything to unravel this, but you initiated the whole thing. Like you, it was all you're doing, and yet you did nothing to put, like, to make it easy. Like, right. And I feel like as an adult, when you make those types of commitments, you should show up and be like, okay, it's over, and do it in person. Right. Well, and that was the thing. My my sister and brother in law flew in, and they helped me pack all of this stuff into boxes and, and ship it. And of course he said, I'll send you the money and never did. Um, because I knew that wasn't going to happen. He doesn't have any. Um, and, but I'm like sitting there going, I don't know what you want and what you don't want. I took a sizable amount to goodwill. I was like, I honestly, I'm not paying. Why am I paying to ship all of this to you? Um, yeah, it was just a, surreal experience and then like your life just changes um Um, like in the flip of a switch your life is totally different and you have no and you had no say in it none yes one thing that I feel more empowered about actually my um younger sister was like I'm glad you finally got that in the first few months afterwards I would talk to people and I would say my husband left me and people like my family, my older sister, who my God has spent, if she was my therapist, I would be more. <laughs> would be oh my God. I would be, yes. Um, it would be unbelievable. But, um, as I, I talked to them and everything, they were like, but you bought the ticket to make sure he left. And I started to feel more empowered from like, I broke this unhealthy, toxic thing up in a way that, but I felt so victimized by it that I I kind of created that my husband left me narrative because that's what it felt like. Like, even though I sent him on his way by buying him the ticket, it was really to me more symbolic of the emotional abandonment. Abandonment that, yeah, that was creative. Yeah. But I, I agree. Yeah. What you tell yourself definitely even what you say out loud can help. And I think your sister's right. Like you chose to get out of that. And honestly, and everyone told me this too, and it didn't make me feel any better. You're definitely better off. Oh yeah. I mean, (laughs) I, I, it's scary to think like, had these pieces not come together, like had I not taken him to the emergency room that day. um, One of the things I think about because he was actually at, this level of alcoholism was like, had he died, I would have never known any of this. I would have been a woman sitting here crying, being like, he got really drunk one time, like that's and killed himself. That's crazy. Not knowing the pieces of it. It's so, um, and his alcoholism was so severe. The Mayo Clinic was actually involved in his case. Um, oh my gosh. Because of this mysterious illness, I'm telling you, like his liver specialist was like, please tell me how this man lied because he passed all of his blood tests and he would literally sober up, go do blood work 
and then start this whole process all over again because he never wanted to get caught as an alcoholic. And I'm like, at what point do you just say, hey, I'm not sick anymore? <laughs> like, why keep going through all of that? Like, why do all of these yeah. tests? And that part, I don't understand other than his own like need to explain it away. In fact, when he moved, um, his mom and I don't know what other members of his family were convinced it wasn't alcoholism. And oh, really? yeah, do you have any contact with them? None. No. Um, the day he left, I said, it's unfair that, um, I won't know what's happening in your life. And so, um, all of your 30 family members, I disconnected on social media, um, and said, they like people can't have insight into my life when you're not being clear with me about yours and have not heard from any of them throughout this process. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. This is quite the story. I, I, I mean, I'm, I feel like you, I'm like what the people you said in the owl on my like jaw is just wide open. Yeah. It's definitely, um, it's, impacted me in so many ways. Um, not just, um, the financial piece, which I know we'll, we'll dive into, but like, I know I'm like so scared to ask about the financial. Well, yeah. I mean the financial piece. Um, so I had about, we had saved up about $10,000 in, um, in the bank and had racked up, around $13,000 in credit card debt, but had kept the savings because we, we okay. wanted that nest egg off, right? To the side. Yeah. So then $3,000 goes to rehab. And then after that, like build a little bit back up. And then $3,000 went to my attorney to drop all the paperwork. And she actually was she's fantastic. She like sends me cards and I'm like, Oh, Merry Christmas. You're divorced. Um, but like, it's, it's really sweet of her, but, um, she, um, did it for both of us so that we were both covered in the divorce. Um, and then like could just make it clean, but that was another 3000. And then the craziest part was last spring I'm filing taxes and, it does not matter what point in the year you get divorced. You were divorced the whole year. And so I was only claiming one on my taxes anyway, but because of the amount that I make, I ended up owing 4000 in taxes. Oh, no. Um, yeah, actually, it was more, I was closer to five, sorry. Um, but I ended up like trying to save money and put it towards that. And so I ended up having to pull the last out of my savings to that and then sitting on top of credit card debt as well. But in, in the divorce, I didn't, um, ask for any financial, um, means from him because I just didn't want any more contact. Um, I didn't want to talk to him again. I didn't want to hear from him. And he also didn't have any money. And so, yeah. What I was, what I was afraid to hear, which I think would have been terrible to add to the story is because you, you were saying how he didn't have any money and you'd been working. It is possible that he would have the ability to ask for half of your retirement. Yeah. Not only that, I really worried that he was going to ask for that spousal support. And I was, I think that was why he left in February. And by April, I was like, oh, you need to get away from this. He had already, you know, written down the card numbers. And I was like, I don't know what he's capable of because I don't know this person. Like, it was like operating with a stranger that had like a stronghold on your life. I'm like, I don't know if he wrote down my social security card before he left, like had no idea the lengths that he had gone. And so immediately- And what he was going to ask for. Yeah, Yeah, like as you said, he could could cut you in half in terms of anything you'd say for retirement and you could have to support him. Yes, and that was what- was very scary for me, um, which was funny because while I'm paying the attorney fees, he was nervous I would come after his retirement. Um, he had served in the military and he, oh. and he was worried I was going to come after that. And I was like, dude, we're good. Like, no, <laughs> no, all of that money. No, I'm, I'm, 
I, I don't even think it's any value amount, but he was worried about that. That's good. So then he just signed all the paperwork. Yes. Signed. So you have, so you're legally divorced. I am. Then. Yes. As of, good. yeah. As of uh, August of 2018. Yeah. Oh yes. You did it real fast. Yes. Very quickly. Good. Okay, so you paid for the attorney fees and you owe him nothing and he's going to give you nothing yes. either. So we're just we're done. Okay, so then you spent the savings for rehab, the attorney and tax and your tax payment. Yes. And then you still have the 13,000 in credit card debt? So that oh, that increased. What are you talking about? Okay. Because ah, when, sorry, because sorry. when you're going through this state, you owe yourself, treat yourself. So you have to treat oh, yourself. absolutely having a bad day. You need a massage, but not just any <laughs> massage. You need to go to an exclusive massage. Things like that. <laughs> oh, redecorating. Oh, oh yeah, you need, you need all, all new bedding, all new bedding, I, new bedroom. I, I look at like my actions afterwards and I, it's, it has to be a movie, right? Um, it, because I, my like priority, I didn't take off work the day after he left. I went right back to work. I mean, the day he went to rehab, for God's sakes, I was back at work the next day and they're all like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, nope, I got to get to work. I got to work for kids, right? Like that was my priority. But I did yep. take off two days and it was to paint the living, uh, not the living room, the bedroom. And I got obsessed. I went to Home Depot at 11 p.m. at night because I had to paint. And oh, my God. oh yeah. And like went and bought paint supplies and everything and like set up the things and then called out the next morning. And I'm like, Oh, I'm very sick. And they're like, well, <laughs> she has a lot going on because my colleagues had been part of this journey with me because my mysterious, you know, diseased husband, but like I right. had to, I had to paint in my mind. And then I'm like, well, now I have to move to the bathroom. And so just went through this, like very distracted like thing of like I'm not going to deal with anything, but I had to feel productive. And yeah, so, you need to be doing something. Yes, and so my credit card debt um, ended up. It was, and I've made a lot of progress through my journey, but it was at twenty four thousand. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, so it climbed. Yes, climbed a lot. Uh, it climbed a lot, and then what is it now? So I'm. Right now, I have $61,000 in student loan debt still, and I okay. have $15,000 in credit card. And then, oh, good. So you took a big chunk off. Yes, of that. I've been working. Um, I started January 1st, actually, of this year. Um, and then I have a $4,000 um, car loan. And so, um, yeah, that's that is my current status. Um, and I've been, you know, on Instagram sharing my debt free journey the last three months, but I'm working really hard to get to this next phase of my life. Awesome. Well, let's see how we can get you there. Okay. So one thing I for totally forgot to ask you because I was so eager to hear your stories. How much do you make as an education leader? Um, so I am making a hundred and three thousand dollars a year. Oh, great. So you have a really good income. And then do you have a savings plan through work, like a 401k or a 403b? Um, I do. And do you participate? I do. So right now I'm meeting the match. Um, Perfect. Yeah. It is a 401k. Is it a private company? Yes. Or is it public? Okay. So it's a 401k. And how much do you have saved in there? I right now have 49000 in my retirement. So I'm behind. <laughs> But I know I know honestly, I'm behind, which is exciting to me because I did not know until January of this year where I was financially. Yeah, and the thing is, um, divorces can be very expensive and can really, really set you back. So I honestly think you got through the divorce. You paid three thousand for the attorney fees, and there's no spousal support. You didn't have to give up half your retirement, so you're in a good spot. We just need to come up with a plan of how you you know, just for you now and how we're going to get you to where you need to be financially. But we're not going to have to spend that long getting you back on track from recovering from the divorce, which I see all the time with people. Yeah. And well, and this is where I really am looking forward to your advice just because I've listened to your other podcasts. Um, oh, thank you. Is, you know, I didn't want to make any rash decisions um, during 
this process. The um, thing to me was to keep things as consistent as possible. And so I had been offered um, a different job and I turned that down. I had um, definitely thought about just leaving um, myself and and, travel. Yeah. So, and, and didn't do any of that. And so, um, but it's been, you know, a year and a half and, this December, I was home with my family. And really what kind of catapulted this like next um, piece was I realized I really wanted to be with my family. Um, I left um, the days after I graduated college to become a teacher in an urban city. And um, my family is on the West Coast. So spread through Washington, Oregon, California. Um, And I left for D.C. and there's no one else in my life that is out here. Um, And so my my goal was really in December, I realized, oh, my goodness, like I want to be back near my family. Um, And it was like a really overwhelming, like powerful um, feeling that I was like, you just need to sit with that. And the more that I had, like, I I know that that's what I want to do. And so um, now the idea of getting myself free from the credit card debt, from the car debt is really to free up my finances to save for a move next year. Okay, great. So, okay, 2020. Yeah. Perfect. Well, the great thing about education is it's everywhere. Yes. So yeah, you can do it anywhere. So. Perfect. Okay. So you have 49,000 saved in your retirement. We ha- we have nothing left um, in emergency funds, right? Anything? Yeah. So I built up an emergency fund. It's at 2000 right now. Um, just to okay, cover good. things. And so, um, to give you a little snapshot of, um, what I've been able to pay off. So like in January, I put, uh, 2,800 towards my debt in February, uh, with my tax refund, I was able to put 4,700 towards it. Um, this month I've put 3,200 towards it. And so, um, in the, in the process of all of this, I've also picked up a side hustle, uh, job. So I've been, yeah. So I've been working really hard to like, try to get myself free of this. So tell me a little bit about your numbers. Do you, are you renting? I am renting. And what's your rent? My rent right now is uh, 1400 Okay, 1400 And then and you have a car payment? Yep. Or your car loan? My is- car loan, uh, the minimum payment's 165 a month. Okay. And then... Um, Utility cell phone, all of that jazz. Yeah, that um, so cell phone is 120, and then utilities range for um, for everything. Um, it can be upwards to 200. Okay, and then uh, you probably have car insurance. Gas. Yes, um, car insurance is um, 160. Um, okay, and then. I am so lucky. I work a mile and a half from my home. Oh my gosh. So I I budget $40 a month for gas. So like that's amazing. It's amazing. It really is. Um <laughs> so that is not been a financial burden. But um other I'm trying to think what other um yeah, anything else big besides the debt uh, payment? I know we have the debt. Yeah, payment, so but. um you know, not really. I have a cable bill that is um, 150, um, but I cut out everything but basic cable. That's primarily for um, internet service. Yeah. Um, and then uh, just paying um, my credit cards right now, which um, I paid off my first credit card this month. Uh, Yay. Good yeah. job. So paid off a 50. D or $5,700 credit card. Um, and that felt amazing. And I want that to keep happening. Yeah. Well, so you, cause what are you bringing in? What are you monthly netting from your yeah, pay? So, um, I get paid twice a month and it's, um, 2,700 each check. Okay. So you have a really good budget. So you have 5,400 coming in a yes. month. And after we, if we just take rent off of that, you're at 4,000. And even if you spend a thousand on everything else you need, you have 
um, 3,000 left over. Yes. So you should definitely be able to put somewhere between between 2,000 and 2,500, if not maybe some months 3,000 as you have been. So if you think about it, you can get rid of all your credit card debt and your car loan. Even if you, uh, if you did 2,500 a month, you'd get rid of all of that in less than 10 months. That's really the goal. What I would love, and just to get your perspective on what um, – my goal is I would love to have the credit card um, and car payments done by December um, with the side hustle coming in. That's yeah. What, what kind of income comes in from that? I yeah. So I that. didn't start it till February um, and it's teaching online. Um, oh, yeah. Cool. So this last month I, I spent a, ton of time doing it. Um, and so February, I think I taught 10 classes this last month. I met somewhere like 150. Um, but it's, yeah. So, um, now the problem is taxes doesn't come out of it. So right now it looks like my April check will be around 1600. Um, but I, and, and you would have great insight. I was planning on spending or setting aside 35% for taxes. I would do half. Half. Okay. The reason why is because it's going to be more than you need, but then that way you can you can use whatever the extra is. Mm-hmm. Because it's going to go in on top of your your income of 103,000. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be taxed pretty steep. So you're going to have federal and state. Okay. So I don't think you're going to need you probably won't need all 50, but in terms of budgeting then I'd rather have you have some extra. Yeah. That makes sense. Then short, because most people with their side hustles end up short, and then they owe yeah. money. Yeah. Okay. Oh, well, I'm glad. Yeah. Because this check is getting ready to come um, for this month, and I, I was like, okay, thirty. And it's so hard to do, right? Because when you're on a yep. salary, like to be honest, you don't think about what you make. Um, no, you think about what your direct deposit is. Yeah. You don't think about like what you have. And made. now I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm working each hour. I'm like, so much goes to taxes, but I'm glad that, um, that I talked to you. I would just err on the side of caution because I just have so many people that do side hustles and they're like, they don't set aside enough okay. money and then they owe. So yeah, I would use, I would, I would put half, I would just do a separate savings account and put half in there. And then that way, when you go to file taxes, if you, uh, when you owe, then that way you have all the money already set aside. Okay, perfect. And then, so with, and so with that, and then if you did the 2,500, you can definitely get the credit cards and car loan paid off, paid off. And then if you save half that money from now till then with your side hustle, you'll probably have, you'll definitely have at least 3,000 or more for an emergency fund. Cause your side hustles this month is going to be 1,600. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, but it varies, yes. right? So let's just say over the next, uh, we could average it out and just say over the next eight months, uh, you're able to put away 500 from the side hustle. That's 4,000. And then if you do 2,500 a month that you put towards debt, you'll end up having, because you have 19,000 in debt. So you'll end up having an additional, um, 3,500. So then you have 7,500 in an emergency fund by the end of the year and you'll have the credit cards and the car loan paid off if you do that. That would be amazing. Yeah, that'd be great because that would give you some money to move. Yeah. And I, yeah. I, that I'm super nervous about because um, my original vision was, you know, attack everything and the student loans are so huge. Um, but I, I really thought, you know, I think emotionally and everything, um, it's easier to do all of this when you're not doing it by yourself. And so, um, you know, maybe my, you know, regular phone call to my sister turns into, um, a dinner a couple nights a week or whatever, and just being able to be closer while I then do that next phase, which is the big attack of student loans. Yeah, absolutely. What I would do is you yeah, get the credit card and the and the car loan paid off and build up that emergency okay. fund. And then if you can get a job, like let's just say you move next year, if you can get a job with the same income and keep your expenses as low, I would then use the the money that you know, you don't have to do twenty five hundred, essentially three thousand, right, with yeah. the side hustle. But then maybe take fifteen hundred and apply that towards your loans. Okay. Or two thousand. Because what what's your loan payment a month? Your loan? It's four hundred and fifty right now. 
Yeah, so you could even, I mean, if you wanted to be super aggressive, I mean, totally debt-free, once you get, you know, car loan and student loans paid up, which car loan and, sorry, credit cards paid off, which an emergency fund funded, which you can do in really eight months because you're being so aggressive. Uh-huh. Um, and you kept the side hustle and you put 2000 towards your student loans. I mean, that's $24,000 a year. You'd have them almost paid off in a little over yeah. two, which is that insane. Would be that means like, I mean, in all of this, like even with a move, it's like before I'm 40, I can be free. Like that's exciting. Yeah, you could be totally debt free. And then I would want to use your money and put it towards retirement. <laughs> yes. So that's one thing um, that really shocked me. Um, and I, I'm so thankful for people like you that do podcasts or, you know, just sharing on Instagram stories is um, I did not realize at my previous job that I had been at for seven years, I was putting nothing towards retirement. And like, for some reason, like you should have heard me like this last year, I've been talking to my friend and I'm like, oh, we moved retirement plans at our old job. Oh, I need to check in on that. And I spent like an hour. This was last month. I spent an hour on the phone with the guy and he's like, so I found your company's retirement plan. You're not in it. And I was like, wait, what? Because I thought that's just part of like, when you sign all that paperwork to start the job, like that I would have checked the box, like, yeah, put money towards retirement. Because I just, I was 24 when I started there. I didn't think about it. Um, But I thought that I would have because I did at my very first job out of college, like, and I, for some reason, didn't. So the retirement thing has been scary for me because I'm thinking like what you're saying is, you know, 39, start building up that retirement, how, how much over those 21 years or, you know, 26 years, if it's 65, can I, how, how, where would I invest that? Cause I know there's caps on the 401ks and, and things like that. Right. Well, you're already in the 401k, yeah. which is great. So you're already contributing and getting your free match. So we want to just bump that up okay. higher. I do think, though, it's good to get rid of the car loan and the credit cards and get some emergency okay. fund up. And then so maybe then what we do January 1st of 2020 is instead of putting so much on the student loans, maybe we spread the student loans out and up. We split the difference. We do 1500 on the student loans and we put another $1,000 into the 401k. Okay. So then we don't get your loans paid your student loans paid off in two and a half years, but we get your student loans paid off in three and a half years, but we increase the 401k at the same time. Right. And then just taking advantage of that, those years. Yep. So then you get three extra years at a higher contribution rate. Okay. But here's the, here's the thing. The key for you really is that you have a very good income and you have a very low budget. That you don't have these high expenses. So when you look to move, and obviously moving West Coast, depending on where you live, could be expensive. You want to make sure that you have so much wiggle room in your budget. Okay. You're not spending a ton on get. You have a car, but you're not spending a ton on gas. Your rent is very reasonable for what your income uh-huh. is. So you want to look to keep it the same so that you always have that type of wiggle room in your budget for you to be able to put 2000 on paying off debt or savings. I mean, that's yeah. huge. No. That's a lot of money. And that's a lot of the um, additional work I've been doing is um, the city that I'm looking to relocate to is not cheap. It is Seattle. Um, okay. And um, to try to get the financial match that I'm making now, um, there's a lot of licensing and, and tests that I'm having to take. Uh, DC is much more flexible. They're like, oh, you want to teach? Come on in, right? And like, that's <laughs> that's how it is. Seattle's like, um, the state of Washington has these really uh, stringent bars. And so like, I'm getting ready to take a teaching exam and it's, you know, um, so I'm like studying something I haven't, you know, had to study since God knows when. Um, and but trying to get um, as many of these licenses so that I can walk in as a school leader there and be able to get a similar salary. Um, you know, finding an apartment that's within, you know, um, range of work. Like I, I know when I first moved to DC, I was like, I want to live where like fun things are happening. And now I'm like older and lazy and I'm like, I want to work next to my job. 
Like I, I go out <laughs> once a week. I go to my job five days a week. Right. So like, yeah, I want to live right, where I work. Exactly. Yeah. So trying to be very mindful of those things. Yeah. I would absolutely keep that all, you know, top of mind when you're, when you're thinking about it, because, you know, what you're paying right now with utilities, not including food, but like all of your other expenses, plus your student loan payment, let's say that is 500 is, you know, about 1300 a month, not including food. So if you threw another 500 on there for groceries, it's 1800 plus your rent is, you know, 1400. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, 3200 and you're bringing in 5400 from your paycheck mm-hmm. Plus another five five six hundred with a side hustle. I mean, so you have an extra amount of money coming in of like between two thousand and three thousand, depending on your side mm-hmm. hustle, and that gives you a lot of control over saving for emergencies, increasing your, and that's with saving for retirement already. Yeah. So, if you you want to just run the numbers before you move and make sure that that you still have all of that wiggle room in your budget. And if you don't, how do you get there? No. And that, that's one thing I've been trying to think of is like, you know, um, being able to like maintain the side hustle, like, is that also an option and trying to think through those things. So that's really good advice. But yeah, so my goal for what I would recommend is get the credit cards paid Mm -hmm. off, um, get the car loan paid off. And then put some, you'll end up with between, depending on how the side hustle goes, somewhere between probably five and seventy five hundred dollars, five thousand and seventy five hundred dollars in an emergency mm-hmm. fund by year end, just by being really strict with yourself. But I think it's definitely worth it. And then in January of twenty twenty, what I would do is, if you haven't, you know, plan on moving then, and you're still at the job and maybe going to move at the end of, you know, the beginning of the year, I would increase your four hundred one k and probably put another thousand dollars a month into there. Okay. And then use the rest to pay off the the student loans. But you want to just make sure you're prepaying principal on the student loans, not just sending them extra money. Yeah. And that's just a matter of clicking the right button, right? During the payment. I I think I've done some reading. But I always also recommend no one ever likes this, but you could also write them a check with the letter. Okay. Send it um oh God, I'm gonna blank on the name, but uh you can send it via FedEx or somewhere where you have documentation they received Got it. it. You always want to have proof with them. But you know what we could do? We could do a follow-up with you next January for next season and see how things are going in touch base oh, then. I would love to. Yeah, I mean, uh, I will tell you, uh, the student loan thing kills you when you put $452 a month. And it honestly, I when I tell you, I had no idea until January where I like, you know, dug into this like financial like mindset and, you know, read the books and all of this. And then I was like, wait a minute, 120 is going to my loan. <laughs> like the rest goes to interest. Yep. I'm like, wait, what? Like it's, it's horrible because I remember getting that package and I was like so excited that I got financial aid. I thought it was aid. And I was like, oh, there. Yeah, no, that, that's a scam. That's it's a total, total scam. scam. I was like, there's being so helpful. And then when I went to graduate school and they were like willing to send me lots of uh, extra money, I was like, oh, that's so helpful to starting my new life. Um, and yeah, no, no. They should be called financial yes. chains. Ooh, I like it. You just Got coined it. something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Francis, it was great to have you yes, on. Yes, thank you so much, Barbara. Yeah, we'd love to have you back uh, for season three to check in and see if you're in Seattle or not and see how we can tackle then the retirement student loans once we get this done. Um, We'll just wrap it up quick for our listeners, and then I'll talk to you a little bit more offline. So for our listeners, please leave a comment on iTunes if you like us so we know that you like us. and subscribe. You can also follow us on Instagram. And then please check out our classes at www.planancial.com. And thanks for listening.